I don't know if, if when you think of prayer, maybe images or thoughts or experiences like that come up. I don't know if you've ever been put in a spot by someone asking you to pray. You know, do you, do you mind praying for us? And that feeling of just sheer dread, like I, would, I wish that I could run and hide away I mean, I think that he probably felt that way. Um, first of all, you know, it doesn't sound like he's someone who's prayed much. Uh, you know, he knew a little line from Godspell, and that was what he, what he in, interjected there. But, um, but I don't know if, if when you think of prayer, there's just this, <gasps> you know, feeling like, oh. Either it's sort of a mystery to you, or you just think of public prayer as your first thought of I just hope I never get asked to pray or say the blessing or have to pray in front of anyone. I don't know if anyone's in that boat. But I want to say this, that, that I think as we jump into this text, I think our feelings of awkwardness when we, when we think about prayer, our feelings of awkwardness, it, it probably says a lot about our inner motivations for prayer. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I'm just saying that in a way that maybe we've never thought about it. If we think about prayer and we just think about, oh, that's just so awkward and I just so uncomfortable, maybe that's giving us a little bit of a hint as to what our, our view of prayer is and maybe what our understanding of the motivation of prayer is, okay? And, and I'm, I want to unpack that for you because I believe if we truly begin to understand prayer, the, the way that Jesus intended it and the way that he's going to talk about in, in this particular text, I think if we begin to understand that and we really begin to get a, a concept of, of that heart motivation of prayer, then we'll see how unfounded that, that awkward feeling really is. How there's really no basis for that awkward feeling. It, it doesn't exist if we truly understand prayer the way Jesus is uh, is showing us. Our kind of our question for the series has been, uh, who is applauding? Our series is facades and foundations. This is the facades portion of the series. And the question is, who's applauding? As you're living out this life and you're doing these, these things and you're, you're living this, this spiritual religious life, who is applauding and what I want to suggest to you this morning is that when you think about prayer, is, is your prayer life a prayer audition? Is it something that you look at as a performance and you hope that you walk away with the Emmy or the Oscar or whatever at the end of your time of prayer? You go, yes, good applause, got some good applause. Or does Jesus maybe mean for it to be something just a little deeper? Here's the big idea for this morning. You've got handouts there. If you're a handout kind of person, um, I won't be offended if you're not, but you can write these down. The big idea is this. And I got one, two, three, four, five, seven P words, uh, but I couldn't come up with a P word for God, so uh, I just stuck with God. I think that's probably a good thing to do. Um, big idea. Performance prayer pleases people. Performance prayer pleases people. Personal prayer pleases God. 
Now, we're going we're, we're gonna to kind of unpack that in just a second. But what I'm driving at here this morning, just to kind of let you look behind the curtain and see where we're going, is that when our prayers are performance-based and we're thinking about our audience of people, then that audience of people will be the only ones that are pleased. But if we think of prayer as personal, as a conversation between us and God, then God is pleased with that. And I'm hoping, here's, here's my prayer for this morning. My prayer is that this morning you will leave and your concept, your newfound concept of prayer will be light on your shoulders. That's, that's my hope. Because I think that a lot of times we think of prayer and it, it just, it's just a big burden on our shoulders. And I hope that as you walk out today, that burden will be lightened and you'll go, oh, I didn't realize that prayer was really that simple. Right? It's a mystery, I'll give you that, but it's still very simple. Now, it's a little bit funny that I am going to be launching out on our, uh, our, our conversation on prayer for the next couple weeks because of all of the, what we would call in, in, in church lingo, uh, what we would call disciplines, prayer is probably the most difficult one for me. I have to be honest. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible, understanding Scripture, journaling, writing things down, stuff like that, um, other than fasting, as you can tell by looking at me, um, <laughs> prayer, is, uh, prayer is probably one of the most difficult for me. It is, it is so much of a mystery to me how this concept of us being able to speak to the God of the universe, and I, and I jump back and forth between how can I even open my mouth? And he is my father and I can say and speak freely to him. There's just this tension there that exists in prayer that's just a mystery to me. And so I'm just gonna stick with what Jesus says because that's safe, right? He knows what he's talking about. And so we're, and, and, and here in this church, uh, we believe God's word is holy and perfect and true and infallible. It is God's very word to us. And everything we do is based upon God's word. And so that's where we're going to turn this morning because it's the, one, it's the place that we need to turn. If you'll take uh, your Bibles, if you have them, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I believe it's on the screen as well if you don't have your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible at all, like you don't even have one at home, we have Bibles up here for you as well. Jesus is going to come right out of talking about uh, this idea of facades, and he talked about our motivations for giving. George, George talked about that last week. And he's going to jump right into, and when you pray. And when you pray. So he's, gonna, he's letting us know we're switching gears a little bit here. We're talking about, um, you know, doing things on the outside to, to sort of get religious attention for ourselves. Talks about giving and the motivations for giving and secret giving, as George talked about, our secret relationships, relationship with God. And then he's going to switch gears right into prayer. And he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. That's wrong. But when you, sorry, 
I'm in the wrong verse. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now, I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you right now that I'm, I'm going to call this something that I am guilty of, okay? I hope I haven't done it so much here, but as a pastor, when you, you get in, in sort of pastor-type circles, we as pastors, we can fall into some bad habits without really meaning to. We can fall into some bad habits, some religious habits without meaning to. And I think what Jesus is talking about here is something that I would call preach praying. Preach praying. I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard of that concept. I don't think I made it up, but I've never heard anybody else say it. But I'm sure it's out there. Preach praying, you might call it informational praying. Or you could also call it performance prayer, which is the one we're kind of using for our purposes. But here's, here's the concept. Maybe you've heard someone pray like this. God, you know Jim. Uh, he lives about four houses down. Brown hair, blue eyes, uh, three kids, a wife. Uh, she's not very nice, but, um, but you know Jim. Uh, well, Jim, Jim is sick, God. I don't know if you knew that. And, uh, and we would really love to see Jim healed. And um, so if you could maybe take some time to, to, to help Jim out, you know, Jim, the one from three or four houses down, my neighbor. Not, not Jim Smith, Jim Taylor, the, that Jim. You see, where, you see where I'm going? It's like you're giving God information that he already has. An another thing that you may have heard is, uh, is, is maybe, um, Dearest Lord of thou highest heaven above, we comest toeth youeth and giveth you our praiseth. Hallelujah. Okay? And you're thinking, whoeth talkseth like thateth? Right? And so that's, that's preach praying. You know, you're praying, when you pray that way, you're not praying for God. You're not praying to God. He knows these things. You don't have to, you don't have to talk to him in, in those fancy words. And so when you pray like that, you're praying for everyone else. You, not for them, but you're praying for their benefit so that they can hear the information so that they'll know, oh, okay, Jim from Four Doors Down. and Oh, that Jim. I got you. I got you. And that's fine, but all I'm saying is don't pray those things. Just tell people, hey, guys, we're going to pray for Jim. You know, Jim Taylor lives a few doors down. Let's spend some time praying for Jim. God, heal Jim. We just want Jim to be healed. It's the Holy Spirit. We just ask you to come and just, and just heal the, the problem in Jim's life. You don't have to give all this information. You don't have to preach your prayers. I've done it, guys, okay? So this is me talking to me here. I've done it, all right? So I think Jesus is saying here, you know, you, you don't have to perform your prayers. I don't know if you've ever heard someone, if you're a person that's ever prayed out loud, you've probably experienced this. And you've probably said it to somebody, so just go, let's all get a level playing field here. We're all guilty of this one. Someone will pray and you'll walk up to them and go, that was a beautiful prayer. Or thank you so much for praying such a nice prayer. Okay, I, I appreciate the heart behind that statement. The, the heart behind that statement is to encourage someone, right? I mean, you want to encourage them. You want them to know that you appreciate 
um, them praying. But really what, what, what you're saying to that person is you are a really good public speaker. Or you do a really nice job of tying sentences together. That's really good. That, you know, thank you for doing that. I just don't, I think if we're understanding prayer this way, there's no need for a human, there's no need for any type of human approval of the prayer. There's no prayer that's more beautiful than another prayer from a genuine heart that's speaking to God. They're all beautiful. They're all equally beautiful and received by God. And so if God thinks they're beautiful and God receives them, no offense to you and me, but who gives a fly and flip what we think about it, right? So that's, and, and we're all guilty, including me of that. Let's move on to verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, now you've got to understand, he's talking about rewards here, and we're going to go back to this in a little bit. But he's saying when you pray, when you preach pray, informational pray, when you performance pray, your reward is the applause of people. Good job. Good prayer. But when you pray in secret, when you have a personal relationship with God, then God is applauding and God will reward you. We're going to talk a little bit in a minute about what that means. I don't think that means that it, you're going to show up with a Lamborghini in your driveway after you pray. All right, That's not what we're getting at. But what, what's being said here is this. This doesn't mean... Now, here, here's, here's where we go too far. We, we like to take things in the Bible and we like to make them religious. So we'll hear, go into your room and pray. And so you'll say, all right, I need to go home. Ah, man, I guess that means I need to build an extra room on my house because there's no way I can pray in my bedroom because I got too much clutter in there and then my kids are going to come in there. And then, you know, so I'll just build another room because Jesus said you got to pray in your room. I mean, nothing wrong if you wanted to do that. But the point is not that you have to pray in your room. The heart of Jesus' comment here was that, that you set aside space and time in your life to communicate with God. He's saying, if you really want to get to know me, if you really want to have this heart relationship with God, then you're going to have to set aside space and time to communicate with me. Just like any other relationship, if you don't set aside space and time for it, it will die. It will shrivel up. And so he's saying, if, if this is really, if this is serious for you and you really want to grow and you really want to, to get to know me more and you want your heart to be changed, you've got to set aside the space and time. You've got to have your prayer room or some people call it a prayer closet. But I'm not talking about a physical place. I'm just talking about space and time in your life that you are communicating with God. That's what he's getting at. Here's, here's kind of the idea. Facebook gives us lots of beautiful illustrations about uh, theology and life and God. Not really. Um, but this one works. 
if you're, if you're not on Facebook, I'll take just a second to explain to you. On Facebook, each person has a page, all right? It's kind of their own place where they can post their pictures and their thoughts and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and, you know, some people will post, uh, you know, got up five minutes late, drank coffee, it was cold. Um, went, got in my car, it wouldn't start, had to go get a tank of gas, bring it back, filled it, went to work. Um, tripped on my way in the door, and you're just thinking, ah, I don't care. Um, but some people just use it to tell you every little it- itsy-bitsy thing about their day. Um, if you do that, then stop doing that. Um, <laughs> but uh, nobody really cares. Uh, so, but no, seriously, if you, if you have your own little page there, then you can post what's called a wall post, Okay. Um, and, and on the wall, you can either do status updates, which is like you saying, you know, going to renovation this morning, you should come, you know, type thing. That's you posting on your wall. Then someone else can post on your wall something. But, th- but if they post, if it's a wall post, everyone sees it, okay? It's out there for everybody. But you'll notice sometimes, like for instance, you'll see somebody go, Hey, you know, do you want to hang out tonight or whatever? And then the person will post on the wall, you know, yeah, but I got a new phone. Can you give me your cell phone number? I'll text you or call you later and we'll go to movies or whatever. And then the person will say, I'll send it to you in your inbox. Because let's be honest, who wants to put their cell phone number out there for the world to see, right? So then that message goes to a private place on Facebook that only, you know, the the... 1,500 people that run Facebook and you can see. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but, but just only you and that other person can see at that point. And what Jesus is saying is if your prayer life is just a wall post and it's just out there for everyone else to see, then you're not going to grow. There's not going to be a real relationship that happens there. You've got to have that, that private space, and time to spend with me. That's what he's saying there. Have that time, have that space to do that. Verse seven. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now let's, let's stop here for a second. Um, and there's, there's a lot of definitions of, of pagans in our culture. In, in that particular context, pagans would have referred to um, people who were polytheistic. And I'll explain what that means. It, it's just people that would believe in multiple gods. You, know, they would, they, you see them a lot in the Old Testament. There's an example in the Old Testament. There was a prophet who was a messenger of God named Elijah. And he, he kind of did a showdown with some, uh, this king who was this evil king. And he was, uh, he was not honoring God and his kingdom the way that he was supposed to. And Elijah was trying to get his attention. And the prophets of Baal, Baal was one of these pagan gods that they worshipped. They said, well, let's have a showdown and we'll show who the true God is. And so, long story short, um, the prophets of, of Baal come out. And it says in scripture, and I won't turn there right this second, but I wrote it down. It's 1 Kings 18.26. It says that they just over and over for day and night just were saying, we call to Baal, we call out 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 to Baal. Just mindless, useless repetition. Almost, almost kind of like if you think about trying to get a combination right and you just can't remember the right numbers 
and you're trying to get the combination right, you go, oh, okay, 16, 12, 11, 16, 12, 13. And you're just rep- repeatedly doing it over and over again to try to eventually unlock the, the lock. That's kind of what they were doing. They were just over and over and over to think maybe eventually we can wake this guy up and we can, we can show that he's there. And the point was to burn uh, this sacrifice on this altar. And so the beauty of it all is that Elijah, uh, Elijah comes out and says, can you dump some water on this uh, altar here? And they just bring water out and just dump it all over the altar. And Elijah just kind of says a simple prayer. I can't remember the exact words, but a simple prayer of just, you know, God, you are the, you are the one true God. You know, we, we trust you and we just, you know, just ask you to show yourself, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and then fire from heaven just, just burns it up. It says the prophets that were on the front row got incinerated because they were too close to the altar. And so Jesus is saying, don't pray like that. I mean, don't pray like the, like the, the pagans where you're just blah, blah, blah over and over and over again. That's, that's, that's not prayer. That's not, how you, that's not how you have a relationship. That's not how you have a conversation. So he's saying don't do that, but he's, he's not necessarily saying that repetition can't be a part of your worship. You know, certainly um, there's moments in the Psalms where uh, you see David repeating. I won't go there, but again, Psalm 136 is a spot where it, it repeats things in worship. It might have an attribute of God, and then it might say your love endures forever. You know, another attribute of God, and your love endures forever. In worship, you know, that repetition is a beautiful thing. We sang at the end of our worship time, we are yours, we are yours. It wasn't that we had just turned our minds off and we were just babbling over and over, hoping eventually God would recognize it. We were just in our hearts over and over just proclaiming we're yours. And so what he's saying there is not, don't have repetition in your worship or in your conversations with God. He's just saying, don't let it just be mindless babbling over and over and over again that just means nothing. Because that's essentially what the pagans would do. And then if we continue into verse 8, and then we'll start bringing this in for a landing here. Do not be like them, referring back to the pagans, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, this is a concept that when I first was introduced to it, it just really kind of, it kind of hit me the wrong way. I didn't really understand because I was always taught to pray for things that I needed. I don't know if you were, but I was always taught you pray for things you need. And essentially what Jesus is saying here, really, I mean, I don't know any other way to cut it. He's saying don't spend a lot of time on your needs. Don't spend a lot of time praying about your needs. Because, you know, it's interesting. Jesus has already promised to supply all your needs. In the book of Philippians, it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say this. We might need our our need machine to be tweaked, right? I would would just guess, including me and, and, you know, we're certainly uh, not wealthy by U.S. standards, but I would assume that pretty much everyone in this room could live probably on less than we've got. All of us. When you really boil down to our needs, they're very few. But the beauty of it with God is that he's, he's, always, he's also talking about our spiritual needs. That's really what he majors on a lot more. Because see, he sees 
the life after this. We just see the beginning and the end, but he sees so much more. He's painting on a much bigger canvas. And so when he's talking about our needs, he's also talking about, I'm gonna give you the spiritual nourishment, the fulfillment and, and the enjoyment of me and my presence. So don't, you don't need to spend a lot of time going, God, I need this, and God, I need that, and God, I need this. So he says, your father already knows what you need, needs and what you have need of, and it says here in Philippians, he's gonna meet all your needs. So you don't need to spend a lot of time on that. Here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to spend the majority of your time praying for others, and even more importantly, spend most of your time praying to get to know him better. Because prayer, yes, prayer does does maneuver things in our lives in a different way. But you know what the major thing prayer does is it changes us. It changes us. It changes our outlook. It changes our perspective. It changes our heart. And it makes our heart more like his heart. So now what? There's some now what, four now what things down there. The first thing is don't play the role. Do the stuff. We, we've talked about the concept of doing the stuff. A guy named John Wimber coined that phrase, do the stuff. Do the stuff. It doesn't just mean play this role with the these and the vows and the informational praying and the I'm going to just look at prayer as, as something I'm doing as a performance to, you know, to win the award. You know, I'm a good prayer I'm a prayer warrior. You know, give me my, my Emmy or my Oscar for prayer. That, that, that's not the goal. The goal is to actually do the stuff that prayer enables us and motivates us and changes us to do. And, and we're gonna see that as we go through this text. We're gonna make that more clear as we, as we continue. One thing I wanna mention too is just because we're talking about heart stuff, it's not, Jesus isn't, isn't getting rid of prayer. He's assuming that you're going to continue praying. Praying is not something he's saying, I ah, just don't worry about it. No big deal. He's saying, let's, let's, let's renovate, let's change the way we think about prayer. Number two, understand the nature of rewards. Understand the nature of rewards. Because it talks about rewards. It, it doesn't, as, as some people might assume, uh, it doesn't mean that there's no reward for our relationship with God. There are plenty of rewards. Now, we've taken that in our culture in the American church and we've gone a little far with it. You know, if you just do this, God's gonna give you that new house. You know, if you just do this, then God's gonna heal you. Or if he doesn't heal you, you just didn't do it good enough. Well, that's, that's not at all what's going on here. Um, this commentary, Matthew for Everyone by uh, Tom Wright, is a, has a great little quote here I wanted to mention. It says, Jesus doesn't say what kind of reward we should expect. He never says, you'll be rewarded with this. That too is part of the point. Simply knowing God better is reward enough. Knowing God better is reward enough. But there may be others that also say the same Knowing God is enough. And he's saying the There may be others in your life that you'll be rewarded because of your changed heart through prayer. You never know until you try. What is clear is that he is inviting his followers to a life in which inside and outside match perfectly. 
That's what he's asking us to do. Because both are focused on the God who sees in secret. So he's saying, I want the inside to match the outside. And there will be reward in that, although knowing me better is enough of a reward, there may be more rewards. But guess what? I'm not going to tell you what they all are. Because guess what? Part of this thing is that I want you, even in the rewards, to trust me. That what I'll give you out of this relationship will be what I want you to have. And if you know God's nature as a good God, you can trust that fact. Uh, three and four are just kind of some practical things. Number three, just start talking. It, it, there, there's no, you know, we're going to look at the, the model, sort of a model of prayer in the next couple of weeks, but, but, but the point is not to have some sort of list or have some sort of agenda of prayer. The, the point is, is to just begin talking to God. Begin telling Him how great He is and, and, and worshiping Him and then begin to just share your heart with Him and, and begin to, to pray for others and ask Him to, to do things in other people's life. Just start talking. Just, just open your mouth and start talking to Him. And then finally, number four, give some time to listening. Give some time to listening because I, what I want to suggest is that perhaps God wants to say something to us as well. Perhaps there's a moment in that prayer time that we're talking and then we just say, God, I'm just going to spend some moments in silence and I'm just going to turn on the ears of my heart and listen to you. I hope that this has allowed prayer to become a little more light. There's no expectation of certain words. There's no, um, there's no degree that you need to be able to pray to be able to pray. One thing we believe at Renovation is that all of us who have put our trust and our hope in Jesus, we're all, we're all pastors, we're all ministers, we're all those that can do this stuff that we're talking about. And I hope as we continue that that'll be more real to you. A couple resources I'll mention to you uh, very quickly. Uh, as we have some books here, we, we don't usually get them out other than Alpha Nights, but we have these books uh, over here on the table Inside of them is just a suggested donation for, for the book. It, we're not making any money off of them. It's just sort of what it costs us to get them. Um, we've got those over there. This is Why and How Do I Pray. It's a short book. It's an alpha resource. It's got great stuff in it about prayer. This is a book by Bill Hybels. He's uh, a pastor out in Illinois. Um, it says, Too Busy Not to Pray. It's another, another good book. Philip Yancey. Wrote a great, I've actually got this book here. Um, it's called Prayer, real easy. Uh, does it make any difference? It's the name of that book. And then this is just a devotional, kind of a time, uh, a book that can kind of help you through your one-on-one -on -one time with God. It's got scriptures in it. It's got prayer uh, guides and suggestions for beginning your prayer time. And it's just 30 days. It's written by the guy who, uh, who does the Alpha course uh, named Nikki Gumbel. All these are over there. Um, there's a couple others as well. So go take a look at that. Again, we don't have some kind of big major bookstore, but if you just want to, uh, if you just want to, to look at those and if you want to drop a, a donation in there to just help us cover cost, that would be great. Here's the beauty of it. Um, Jesus 
uh, gave his life in part so that we could communicate with the Father. That's, that's, that's such a beautiful concept when you think about it. The fact that we can even begin to speak about prayer in, in this idea of communicating with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because he gave his life, shed his blood, and paid our penalty, he then gives us access through belief in him to communicate with the Father. And so as we celebrate this table, as we celebrate this, you know, we etch out just a little space and time this morning, I want you to think about the ramifications of what this means for your relationship with God. This rep, the representation of this table is what gives you access to even think about talking to God. And Jesus um, told his disciples that the wine was going to represent his blood that he was going to shed for their sins and for our sins. And so as that wine is poured and you see that and you see that red color and you hear that, that noise, I want you to think, not, in a, not for the point of being gruesome, but for the point of the impact that that blood is what God sees of our sin as he looks at us. It's a cleansing, a cleansing. And then he said, this bread is, is like my body. It represents my body. And as he broke it, I'm sure in his mind's eye, he understood that his body would be broken to the point of death to give us, to give us access to the Father. What a gift. So as we, um, as our servers come, I would challenge you as you come to take a moment. Don't, don't rush this, it's okay. To take a moment to consider the price that was paid so that you could communicate with God. In our family here at Renovation, we use wine. Um, however, if you choose not to use wine, um, over at the areas where the servers will be, we have little, uh, little grape juice containers. You can feel free to use that if you so choose. We have baskets up here where you can, can give gifts, but more importantly, we'd love for you to drop your Connect card in there so that we can know how to best serve you here at Renovation. And as you go, if you have never put your faith or given your life to Christ, and begun that relationship, and you hear this this morning, you think, oh, I'd love to be able to talk to God like you're talking about this morning. This morning is, there's no better time than right now. We've got some folks that would love to pray with you. They'll be on, on either side as well. And if you want to make that decision to give your life to Christ this morning, why don't you let them know? Why don't you let them know this morning? They can pray with you. They can, they can help you begin that, uh, that process, that relationship this morning. So don't hesitate to do that. Will you come this morning and let's celebrate him?